Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Amen. So I call this the Valley of Battle because this is no less than the place where Goliath and David met. Now, this was a place where we face major challenges. This is a place where life will offend us. So sometimes we just go through life and we just life just insults us. Who ever been there before? Things just happen. People just stab you in the back. People just walk away from you. This is a place where the enemy will defy the true and living God. This is where the enemy would try to paralyze you through your problems and try to keep you stagnant through your situations. This is the valley of Elah. That's why I call it the valley of battle because it's not one of those things that you ease through. It's not something that's going to you just, you know, a little prayer and then you're over it. See, this is one of those places where God is going to demand that you take a risk. Uh, You're just not going to sit back and watch God do something. You're going to have to do something on your own before God moves. Amen. Uh, So, man, I'm ready to move into this thing. Write this down. Just remember what I'm saying because I got it on my PowerPoint. You cannot take a stand while you're sitting in the stands. See, you you can't take a stand while you're sitting down. Long gone are the days when Christians can just sit back and and point fingers at everything that's going wrong because the church somehow didn't meet their personal preferences. Those days are gone. We are now in the days of Elijah. In those days was when God came down to Elijah and he said, who can I send or who will go for me? And the man Elijah said, send me, I will. So when we need somebody to walk in holiness and righteousness, I will. When we need somebody to walk with some integrity and some character, I will. When we need somebody to be privately devout and secretly holy, I will. When we need somebody to step off of the boat of lethargy and complacency, I will. When we need somebody to walk by faith and not by sight, I will. Somebody shout, I will. I will. I don't need somebody else to do it, God. I will do it. I will preach your word without watering it down. I will do it, God. I will stand for truth in the middle of this wussified, politically correct situation that we're dealing with today in the church. I will. I will stand for truth. I will speak the name of Jesus in my office. I will. Somebody shout, I will. See, if you got an I will in your spirit, you know what you can't have? You can't have I can't. You can't have I might. You can't have I woulda, shoulda, coulda. See, your I will need to overcome your I can't or I might. Somebody shout I will. will. See, see, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, if you don't, I will. So listen, listen. So when God bless me, don't worry about it. I will. Mm -hmm. Because I have an I will in my spirit, which tells me no matter what I see come hell or high water, I won't allow anything to distract me from the will of God because I will do his will. Somebody shout, I will. You got to make this thing personal. I believe that if you get this thing deep down within you, then you will see your situation. You will see your circumstances and say, I don't care how big you get. I will defeat you. I will defeat cancer. I will defeat lupus. I will defeat diabetes. I will defeat fibromyalgia. I will. I will get through this. Come on, somebody. We got too many people. You're allowing the devil to to, to treat you like, you know, you are some little bitty small thing, but you're not. 
The Bible says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So that means if you are the righteousness of God in Christ, you cannot take a stand sitting in the stands. You, 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 we got too many people. You, see, the way I see, let me go ahead. See, the way I see this thing, we have too many Christian referees. See, see, there's a difference between a player and a ref. Amen. See, a referee is good at pointing out your issue. All right, come on, somebody that, that know what I'm talking about here. See, his whole job is looking at the faults of a person. And not only that, not only that he don't keep those faults, he tell everybody about what you did wrong. See, we got too many Christian referees. And as a referee, you can't win a ring. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see, you just, you down there on the field, but you're not doing nothing. You coming to church, but you ain't serving nowhere. <laughs> you're nothing but a Christian referee. Oh, see, they don't have that right. Oh, look, yeah, he wearing tennis shoes. I don't like, how you going to wear tennis shoes and a bow tie? <laughs> see, see, you're a referee. See, I'm in the game. And guess what? I'm getting the crown. With my tennis shoes and my bow tie. <laughs> Hello, somebody. See, see, when you got your own style, you don't have to follow anybody else's. Hello, somebody. Because I will. I'll be the first one to do this. See, you got to get an I will in your spirit. I will. Somebody say, I will. See, I will start that class. I will write that song. I will stand against Christian injustice. I will finish my degree. I will write that book. I will study for that certification. I will buy my first house. I will apply for that job. I will stand in the midst of fear. Yes. I will. Somebody say, I will. See, see, you got to understand this because the psalmist David said this. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Somebody say all times. See, if you look up the word all in Hebrew, it means all. <laughs> he said, I will. Not I might. Not I can't. Not I maybe would have. Well, I would see what had happened was, see, he didn't go through all of that. And when David wrote this, he was going through a very tumultuous time in his life. And as he went through these things and as he faced his giants, David said, in the midst of all of this, in the midst of my valley, in the midst of the vicissitudes of life, I will bless the Lord. At all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and bless his name. See, when you got that kind of stuff in your spirit, see, the enemy can't touch you because he's afraid of you. Because, see, I got an I will in my spirit. Amen. I will. You don't have to send anybody else. I'll go. I will. I will. Praise God. See, when you got an I will in your spirit, you don't have to worry about it. When your boss walks up and say, who can I find to do this project? I will. You don't have to worry about it. I will. I'll do it for you, sir. Hello, somebody. Amen. I'll do it. Don't worry about it. I'll do it. I'll get it done. Amen. <laughs> uh, be like most Christians. <laughs> Well, can I go home and pray about that? <laughs> I want I want to I can I and like I got to fast get consecrated. 
That's how they do with me. I said, can you do this? Pastor, can I pray on that? Can can you just let me go pray? You ain't praying. You trying to figure out your excuse. That's all that is. You trying to figure that excuse. Okay, what kind of excuse I'm going to give Pastor? Pastor, you know, I got to go somewhere with my family. Well, Well, don't worry about it. I will. I will. Amen. Somebody say, I will. I will. See, see, check this out. If opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. <laughs> see, 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 this right here, it eliminates all complaining. All complaining is absolutely eliminated. Uh, Pastor, you just, I don't see that particular ministry. Build a door. Mm-hmm. Pastor, why aren't you doing this? Because God never told me. He told you. Amen. See, stop asking me what I should be doing and do what God told you to do. I know what I should be doing because I'm doing it. But you don't come to a church trying to tell the pastor what he should be doing. Because you might get told off. At least by this pastor. No, I'm going to ask you, what are you doing? What has God called you to do? It's my job to make sure you have enough of the word so that you can apply what God has blessed you with, with the word that you're receiving, and you have enough to move out in faith. However, if you are a referee... You don't even see what God has given you because you're too busy pointing fingers at somebody else. See, this church is going to be delivered from all that mess. You're going to be delivered from all of that because you got an I will in your spirit. Amen? Amen. See, all of us are going to be right in the center of God's will, so we won't have time to be jealous of somebody else. Hello, somebody. Is this making sense at all? Come on and give him a praise. And see, see, Proverbs 20... Proverbs 20, 13 says this, do not love sleep lest you come to poverty. So in other words, lazy folks won't work. Amen. See, I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter how high the, uh, uh, the, the minimum wage goes. Some people still ain't going to work. They still ain't going to work. That's not the solution. The solution is you got to change people. And you can't change people without this. That's why the Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. If we don't get people righteously living, then they will receive a poor living mentality. I said poor. I said poor. I said poor. Just take the other OR off. Poor living because they have a poor living mentality. Listen, I came out of the ghetto, so don't, I can go there. I can go there and you can't say nothing about it because I came from there. I can go there. I know what I saw in my hood. It's the same 24-hour period for everybody. It's what you do with those 24 hours. Now, a successful person works hard, goes to school, do what they got to do so they can be successful. But if you've just been sitting at the trailer park or sitting in the ghetto smoking weed, then you don't have a right to complain. Hello, right, right, right now. That's not everybody. Because I know some people who didn't have a dad at home. They were raised by their mother. They had brothers and sisters. They were on welfare for a while. They grew up. They went to school. They got an education. And they're running their businesses right now. See, that, that's the testimony that we need to see. Because, see, that's, that's my testimony. I got out. Right. I did not ever and nor do I ever look for a handout. Now, I need a leg up every now and again, but I didn't. I definitely don't need a handout. Right. Because, see, when you continually give people handouts, you create an entitlement mentality. 
See, this is why it's hard for people to get off of welfare, right, sister? Because you deal with people like that all the time. They have this mentality that they can't. I can't do better. I can't get off welfare. I can't. I can't. I can't. We need to change the I can't to I will. You will get off of welfare. You will get an education. You will get a good job. You will get a house for your children. Your children will not be crackheads. They will not be drug dealers. They will not kill somebody. We need to tell people that I don't have to tell children that they're going to be somebody. I tell them that they're already somebody. That has to start here at the church, saints. It has to start right here in the church. And we got to get our mentality right first. Let me, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. It says this, if a man won't work, neither shall he eat. Now, I'm giving you Bible right now. I ain't here to play games with you. The Bible says that if a man won't work, he shall not eat. I don't know how women, I'm just trying to, maybe y'all can help me. Because I just can't understand. How you work hard, you got a job and a car, you pay the bills, he's at home playing PlayStation, eating hot dogs and ding-dongs. You come home and there's paper all over the floor and his dirty drawers all on the floor and Shoot. I don't know how a woman can say, oh, he loves me. See, love will get your butt up in the morning and make you go find a J-O-B. Love will make you pay the bills. Love says, by my actions, I'm going to show you how much I love you. Love says, I'm going to get you a ring because condom says, I want some lust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might have just walked up in the wrong church this morning, praise God. Because when I start dealing with real issues, I had to give you a real word because the only thing that's going to help people is truth. How do women get stuck with this? And then they claim that they are Christian women. What? You a Christian? Uh, Really? Were you a Christian before y'all started dating? Were there flags? Oh, he has pretty teeth. <laughs> he looks like a cool drink of water. <laughs> Don't you know that water's going to get tepid? It's going to get lukewarm. You don't want no lukewarm water. Amen. So, <laughs> so I'm just, there was just things that sometimes I struggle with, saints of God, because we should be looking for new opportunities to serve and develop solutions. Amen. Write this down. Hope this blesses you. Your rewards in life are determined by the problems you solve for others. I'm telling you right now, if you start solving problems for other people, you will be so busy. Right, sister? (laughs) She just started solving problems for people, and then she just saw so many other problems that she was able to solve. If you start doing that, saints of God, you will not have time to be pointing fingers at anybody else. You just solve a problem for somebody, and watch what happens. Um, uh, Case in point, Goliath was a problem. He was a big problem. He was a problem that needed solving. But all the whole, whole, it would just be like our military 
would be afraid of a nine-foot Islamic terrorist. Now, our, the most powerful military in the world. Well, oh, ooh, wait a minute. He said some, he said some mean things. <laughs> we can't fight him, but yet you got this little short, ruddy fella come walking up. He just bringing lunches. He just like, yo, what's up? Who? David said, who is that uncircumcised Philistine? The little ruddy fella. Not the brothers with the guns in their hand. Well, not the guns, but the spears because it was back there. I got to deal in truth. <laughs> they had spears in their hands, right? David said, what's up? Whoa. How long have you been talking like that? Then I can do that, you know, in my, in, you talking to me, that kind of, you know, that actor, right? I can see him, David, like that. You, you talking to me? Wait a minute. How long has he been talking like this? How dare you defy the armors of Israel? This little ruddy fellow, right? All of the army and King Saul is afraid. David saw a problem. David said, you want me to take care of it? <laughs> you want me to? His brothers, David's brother. What's wrong with you, David? Why are you coming out here anyway? It, it's, you, you just out here, you just coming to see the battle. See, see, when people are not doing what they should be doing, they will do everything to criticize you so you don't do it. Uh-huh. Because misery loves company. So David was willing to do something about the problem. And here these guys are. Well, you better not. You might not want to do that, David. David, you know you're going to get hurt. You shouldn't start that business. You should not go on that, that cruise. You should not start that certificate. You shouldn't be going to school. You know you're too old to be going to school. It's always going to be somebody to criticize you. David says, is there not a cause? Wait a minute, bro. I see. I, I, I can take care of that. Even King Saul said, you know what, little fella? You know, that's how people do you. You know what, little fella? You know, I, I know you want to be a pastor and all, but you just can't be no pastor, little fella. See, see, see. But see, when you see something in people that they don't even see themselves. See, see, I saw something in him before he saw it. And it was my responsibility to say, I see something in you. I know you're mad at me, but I see it anyway. <laughs> is there not a cause? I believe it is. And today he's one preaching rascal, right? Why? Because somebody believed in him. I didn't try to find fault in him. I found God in him. And see, this is a problem with marriages. Let me tell you, let me go. I don't even know why I'm on this. But since I'm on it, here we go. See, this is the problem with marriages. See, see, most people, even Christians, 50%, they fall in love with the person that changes. See, I fell in love with what doesn't change, her spirit. Because all this and all this, this changes. It's going to change. If you live long enough, everything changes. Male and female. <laughs> Lord knows it changes. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Y'all know. <laughs> See, don't be looking at me like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, <laughs> stop. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And so, so, listen, I fell in love with her spirit. Amen. That doesn't change. Amen. See, and, 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 and see, we, we grew in this thing, right? 
And so when you grow in it, you get rooted in it. Right? And we're still growing in it. We, we haven't perfected it yet. We still got a long way to go. Right? Every day we have to perfect this thing. But we're not trying to perfect it so that we can look good in front of you. Because, see, I'm going to tell you something about my marriage. I don't need approval from nobody in this room about my marriage. And I'm not looking for approval. Right? Because she's the one that's going to be with me through thick and thin. She was the one sitting with me when that doctor said I had an aggressive form of cancer. She stood by my side. So why would I get rid of somebody that stood with me through the test of time, like some of these bishops are doing? Uh-huh, I'm going to just go ahead and call a spade a spade. So, so wait a minute, let me, hear you. Let, me, let me see if this is correct. I think there's a passage in the Bible in the book of Malachi that the priests were divorcing their wives so they can get younger wives, and God says, I hate divorce. See, when people try to throw that concept out to people in today and say, oh, you can't get a divorce because God hates divorce, they don't understand Scripture. Because if he's beating your brains out, you better get out. Well, God hates divorce. I can't get out. Well, don't come ask me. Because God doesn't want anybody, any of his daughters, to be beaten up. And by the way, when God says he hates divorce, he hated that these leaders were divorcing their wives and getting younger wives. In that context, God says, I hate divorce. But see, when you got somebody who don't understand Scripture, they try to put that as a cure-all. You can't leave because God hates divorce. Well, you need to read the Word. And read it right. You come to me for counseling, and we're going to give you truth. You might not like what we got to tell you, but we're going to tell you. You better get out. David solved the nation's problem when he assassinated Goliath. Amen? So let, let me, there are seven valuable lessons here. I know we're probably going to get through all of these, but let me give you life lesson number one. Here it is. Life lesson number one is this. Spiritual weakness affects a nation. And I talked about this a little bit last week because the Bible says, blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. See, the moment a nation, this nation, who was built on the premise of the fundamentals of Judeo-Christian values, this nation was built on that 34% of our Constitution is Scripture. So you need to understand the makeup of our, of our nation. I understand that. I've studied all of that stuff. But here's the deal, guys. The moment this nation, who was built on God, begins to take God out of everything is the moment the nation stops getting blessed. See, the reason we're in so much debt is because we have been removed from God. I.e., well now we, we have a law that says that you can kill babies. Now it doesn't even matter what trimester the woman is in. You can go all the way up until almost you're giving birth, and you can still kill that baby. Well, that part of the Bible never changes. God sees that as murder. Amen. Now, you may be a young woman in here that have had uh, an abortion. Now, listen, let me make sure you hear my heart in all of this because I'm not here to judge anybody. Because I know that the saving grace of God can still heal you from that. But probably right now you feel bad that you did it. But listen, there is redemption for you. Right? So I'm not, I don't want anybody in here that has ever done that to feel like I'm judging you. I'm not judging you at all. I'm just giving you truth. Truth doesn't change just because you made a bad choice. Truth is truth, no matter how you slice it and dice it. It's still truth. And if you have repented, you will see that child again. That's the good part. That child is in heaven. You will get to see your daughter or your son again. Hello, if you're saved, right? If you, if you, if you repented, you will. So, so please, hear my heart in this. I'm not trying to be mean or nasty at all. I just want to make sure that we understand truth. And it doesn't change because the culture does. 
So we have to be careful, saints of God, that when, when we as a nation, we make policies and procedures that are antithetical to Christianity. Doesn't matter what party it is. I said it doesn't matter what party it is. The Bible said righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. Unfortunately, political parties and social modalities have become more important than Christianity. Oh, I got this social issue that I'm fighting for. And a lot of times people who fight for these social issues put those social issues above God. Because a lot of times people are fighting for stuff they don't even know all the information. How are you going to fight for something you don't even know all the information? I get people coming, Pastor, what do you feel about that? I don't know. I don't even know the information. Yeah. I, don't, I don't make judgment because I don't, I don't just blatantly say stuff. I don't have all the information. I'm going to do my own research, and I'm not going to depend on Fox News or CNN or CNBC to give me my news. I'm not, I don't care about investigative reporting. I can investigate myself. So when I make decisions about something, you best believe I've done my research. Now, if you make a decision about something and I see something that's wrong and you're in this church, I'm going to confront you about it. But I'm also going to show you why it's wrong. You have the ability to change it or not. It's totally up to you. But me as the pastor, I have an obligation. If you say this is your church, I have an obligation to roll up on you and say, you know what? You might want to look at this differently because of this, 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 and this. Have you thought about that? Don't join. (laughs) I'm not trying to scare you. But listen, most pastors should be doing that. See, I'm not a coward. My mama didn't raise a coward. I will confront you because we need to be confronted. I need to be confronted. That's why I have men in my life that can confront me. When I'm out of place, they can confront me. You need that in your life. You could be going down the wrong road and don't even know it until it's too late. Is this making sense at all? See, don't compromise on your values, saints of God. And listen to this. This this is a good one. Write this one down. You can't complain about what you permit. See, when, when, when you are at work and you give your car, <laughs> he's driving your car. Don't put gas in it. Pick you up from work. Who said that? See, pick you up from work. You sitting outside waiting for your car. You get off at 4.30. It's 5.30. And you like, I can't say the language I want to say, but <laughs> what a H-E-L-L is this rascal. Oh, but I love him. Uh, no, no, no. That ain't love, baby. You better smell that car. <laughs> You better go in there and do a DNA check up in that mug. <laughs> go in there with a black light. <laughs> Woo! I'm keeping it real this morning. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but get out, get out the car. I want to. Who's been in this car? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, look, you, you can't complain about stuff you permit. Just, just do better. You can do better. You know you can do better. Ladies, where's the single ladies? Amen. Say amen, single lady. 
You know y'all can do better, right? Listen, don't settle. And, and listen, listen to me close. You do not ever have to drop your standards just to say you're dating somebody. Amen? Because let me tell you something. Your girlfriends are going through hell with that rascal right now. And that's hell you don't have to go through. You just pray. When you get lonely, call up a girlfriend. Go to the movies. Go to dinner. Don't even worry about all that nonsense. But at least you out having fun at the movies and you're not putting up with a bunch of drama. I think Tyler Perry said, I can do, all, I can do bad by myself, right? <laughs> Listen, you, you, you know, uh-uh, uh-uh. Is this making sense at all? Amen, amen. Can I move on to the next thing since y'all are looking at me like that? All right, second, paralyzing fear is a reproach to God's people. See, God says, I haven't given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Uh, Luke 21, 26 says, Man, men's hearts will fail them because of fear. Fear is one of those things, guys, that is not real. You realize that, right? Because usually what you are afraid of, you haven't done it yet. You say, I'm, I'm scared to start that class. Well, you hadn't started it yet. How, how are you going to be afraid of something you haven't done? Okay? I'm, I, I had somebody tell me, a uh, uh, grown person, they was looking at our pictures when we were uh, doing the, the zip lining. And I, I had a person on my job, ooh, grown man. He said, ooh, I don't think I, I'm afraid to do that. I said, you ever done it? No, I haven't done it before. Why are you afraid of it? It, it, does, it does, it's not even real. Your mind makes it real because you think it up. As a man thinks, if you think that you are a little David and not a giant slayer, if you think you won't get the job, if you think that you'll never buy a house, if you keep your thinking in the ghetto and thinking small or in the trailer park, you won't get out. And sometimes, sometimes you have to change your friend. Now, I, I'm saying that, and I know it's easy for me to say that, but it is hard to change a friend sometimes. Trust me. People you've been with for a long time, it was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do in my life to tell my best friend not to ever come to my house again. I'm telling you, that is not an easy thing to do. It hurt me, but I would have hurt him. I wasn't saved back then, and you would not want to know me back then. I was a crazy Marine. I carried, my wife will tell you, I ain't going nowhere without my 9 millimeter. Because I was in Mobile, Alabama, and I had to deal with rednecks down there. And I can say rednecks because I know what they look like, smell like, act like. Because I have been personally confronted in my car with people down south. So I understand racism. But I also know balance. I'm not afraid of any man. And no man, no white man has ever kept me from getting anything. Amen. If anything, I kept myself from getting it. So I don't blame anybody for where I am today. And we need to stop blaming any and everybody for where you are. Take responsibility. Get your butt up and go do better. I dealt with that kind of stuff. But my best friend got hooked on crack. And he started stealing from his mother. All that kind of stuff. And I worked that night. And so I had to tell him, don't, don't come around my house, man. You bring in my house, I'm going to break you. Because I knew my wife and my daughter was in their sleep. 
And if you know anything about John Lofton, not Pastor John, if you know anything about John Lofton, <laughs> just get the pastor title off of it. If you know anything about John Lofton, you put your hands on my family, I'm going to deal with you, and I'm going to deal with you severely. And then pray for you. I got a license for that. <laughs> Praise God. And I say that with all sincerity. Amen? And I'm just like any man in this house. You don't, you don't mess with my family. You can touch my money. Just do not mess with my family. Right? I go ballistic when somebody put their mouth on you. Oh, they're going to have to deal with me. Oh, no, 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 no. They, 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 no, that's my flock, bro. What? Are you, what? Oh, no, you don't put your mouth on no covenant member. Oh, no, just like I defend them, I'm going to defend you. Don't you want somebody that's going to fight for you? Amen. Is that good? Fear, man, will keep you from starting that class. Start that class. Go on, get in that ministry. Oh, no, well, I hadn't been to seminary and... I feel like God has called me to preach, but I don't know, God. Man, stop all that. Just say, I will. I will. And when you say, I will, God will make sure you're around the right people, getting everything that you need so that you can build up the credentials that you need. Amen? Listen, I, I haven't been to all of those classes either, but, but yet I'm a pastor. Amen? Now, now listen, now I'm a, I study, though. I have disciplines to study the Word of God. And I found out every book that they use in seminary, and I studied every one of them on my own time. That's what I did. That, and ain't, ain't no bishop, anybody. All these bishops I know, they can't say nothing I don't know anything about. And if, I don't, if they say something I don't know anything about, I'm going to study it till I know it. And then when we come back together again, say, let's talk about this. Let's have a conversation again because I ain't know nothing about it the first time. <laughs> I won't let them know that, though. I'll let them know after. You got to be smart about stuff, amen? So don't let fear paralyze you, amen? Let's look at something else here. Uh, uh, let's look at this. Look at this. Christianity is not a vocation. It's a declaration worth speaking. It's not a cruise. It's a cause worth keeping. See, some people think that now that I'm saved, I'm on vacation. <laughs> oh, once saved, I always say, I said the prayer now. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to heaven. Mm, take me to heaven, Lord. I'm going to cuss you out. And then I'm going to heaven. Wait a minute. That don't fit in heaven. You know that, right? Cussing folks out ain't in heaven. So if you cussing people out here and the prayer is on earth, so that prayer means if you're operating in something on the earth that don't fit in heaven, it means you don't fit in heaven. Uh, on earth. On earth. As, as means to the same degree, on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. So if that is not going on in heaven, it should not be going on. Now, now let's make this personal because it says on the earth, but I take it a little deeper and say in your earth. Because, see, we're earthen vessels, right? So if it's not going on in heaven, it shouldn't be going on in your earth. So in other words, what you see in heaven, you should be proclaiming in your earth. If fear is not in heaven... Because the opposite of fear is love. Because it said perfect love. <laughs> okay, y'all want some more? I'll give you some more. Let me give you some more. Let's go to the next point. How many time I got? Okay, next point. Everyone has something to give. 
<laughs> Ooh, this is a good one right here. Not everybody can be on the front lines. Not everybody should be in the pulpit. Praise God. <laughs> there are some people I've seen. <laughs> I have been flipping on the telly, and I've seen some people preaching, and I've got, Lord Jesus. Who called that person to preach the word of God? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I got 11-minute messages and, <laughs> and all that foolishness going on. Everybody is not called to preach publicly, right? Everybody's not called to do that. And you better be called if you're going to do it. First of all, let me just say that because I didn't even want to do this. If it was up to me, I'd be sitting where you are. I was comfortable where you are. I liked it. I was okay watching the pastor behind somebody else's head. I can come to church late. Oh, yeah, I'm getting on, I'm getting on it now, right? <laughs> I can come to church late and leave early. Amen. Right? Because I was considered a pew holder downer. <laughs> I, hey, look, I ain't going to serve nowhere because you're going to ask me to do something. <laughs> I was there before, but things had to change because I found out, man, I got something to give. See, a lot of you grew up in church. I came off of the streets. So when I came off of the streets, I had to see, well, what can a person off the street give to the church? I have nothing. I haven't been through seminary. I hadn't been, I don't know. I'm still learning a lot of church protocol. I don't know all that stuff. We, we just recently started, you know, we got some good friends that are bishops. I ain't know none of that stuff because I didn't, I didn't grow up in all that stuff. It's, this stuff is still new for me. Wearing clergy clothes and, you know, that stuff is, is new for me. Still, I'm uncomfortable wearing it. But, but, but you know, when yeah, they are too. They, when they wear clergy clothes, it's a little uncomfortable when I go to certain churches and they make me want to sit up there in the pulpit. Man, that makes me uncomfortable. Especially when I go to a Baptist church and they make me sit in the pulpit with those big old chairs. Y'all yeah. <laughs> know what I'm talking about? I get so uncomfortable. And I, I mean, I almost have to fight the pastor. No, man, I'm, I'm, can, I sit, can, I, can I just sit on the front row, pastor? No, sir, we, Reverend, they got me Reverend. Reverend, we, you, need to, you need to be, I don't know. <laughs> they got to call you Reverend. Now, no matter what, you're, what you are, you're a Reverend. And so there's a Reverend, we need you, <laughs> praise God. Reverend, we need you. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, you go to the Baptist church, they call me Reverend, but when I go to a white Methodist church, they call me John. <laughs> I love it, man. Just call me what you want. Just give me that mic so I can preach. Hey, man, I don't really care. My mama called me John, so that's good. And so, but when I sit up there, it's like, ooh, I'm nervous. I don't even know what to do. I'm like, I don't even know what to do with my hands. Should I cross my legs? Should I not? I'm, I'm looking at everybody else. How are they sitting? Are they sitting? Okay, they got the knees turned. And I'm, okay. <laughs> See, y'all think, ooh, pastor, he's just up there. He's in deep thought. No, pastor trying to figure out how to look. <laughs> I'm telling y'all too much, man. I ain't lying. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm telling y'all too much now, right? But it's good. It's good that you get around that and learn all of that stuff. I'm, I, I appreciate um, everything that I'm learning about being a bishop and all of the other stuff and, and ordinations and consecrations and stuff like that, and I'm growing in it. So keep, keep praying for me as I continue to grow in this thing. Listen, uh, when we, when we oh, listen, uh, this, um, let me just say this. When we fail to be involved in the battle for truth, we become a traitor. 
Now, I didn't put that one on my PowerPoint. I'm sorry, but I'll go ahead and tell you. When we fail to be involved in the battle for truth, we become a traitor. Mm-hmm. We become a traitor. See, the, the day you refuse to stand for truth, you become a traitor of Jesus. Because he says we should defend the faith. That's a command. It's an imperative. He didn't say you might. He said you will. Somebody say, I will. So I will defend the truth. Say that with me. I will defend the truth. So you're not going to be a traitor. So you're going to stand for truth. Standing for truth means sometimes people are going to get upset with you. Amen? Now, now, now when, you, when like Sister Dawn there is in the public school system, she has to be very careful. She can lose her job. Right? So she's, she's in a predicament. That's why we should be praying for our Christian teachers. Amen? Amen? They are in a real battle, saints, because their gift inside of them says one thing, but the rules say another. So it's a struggle. I want to pray with them, but I know if I pray, they're going to fire me. Even if the child says, will you pray for me? You're still in a dilemma. Because even if the child requested, oh, you're an adult. You should have known better. Am I, am I right? Amen. Now, now, you got to figure out what restroom you're going to be able to take your child to. What kind of nonsense is this? Tell you, it's going to cause some problems. Because what's going to keep a pedophile from posing as a transvestite just to go pee? I'm telling you, we're setting ourselves up for failure. Right? That's why policies are so important on how we vote, saints. Again, I go back to what I said before. You can't complain about what you permit. Don't come talking that mess to me. I'm going to be like, well, how did you vote? And now everybody just got quiet as a church mouse up in here. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm going to still be the same way after the election, too. God has not called any of you. Listen to me close. Listen to me close. Listen to me close. Oh, let me give you this first. Let me give you all this one. This one is precious. This one is precious. And I got two minutes and I'm done. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. That's British philosopher Edmund Burke. I love that. I love that quote. I say it a lot. I say it to myself because the only thing for evil to triumph is if I sit on my rear end and don't give people truth. Nobody in this church will ever be able to say, Pastor, I did not know. Yes, you did. I told you. <laughs> I give you the information, but what you do with the information is totally up to you. Amen, somebody? Amen. So don't just sit back and do nothing. God has called you guys to do great things. Amen? God has not called you to be a spectator, procrastinator, or perpetrator. He called you to be a participator, liberator, and innovator. Can I say that one again? Hey, glory to God. God has not called you to be a spectator, procrastinator, or perpetrator. He called you to be a participator, a liberator, and an innovator. You know what an innovator is? An innovator would take something that's already good, you make it better. That's an innovator. So you don't have to be a creator when you can innovate. An innovator, you, you probably, oh, a lot of y'all young folks won't remember this. I'm sorry, I'm telling my age. There used to be a commercial, and I'm going to stop right there because I've spent too much time. There used to be a commercial that came on, and, and <laughs> people who are 45 and older will probably remember, know this, but if you're younger, you probably won't know. 
It's, it's the company BASF. BASF don't make a lot of the products that you use. They make the products that you use better. Y'all remember that commercial? You remember that? Why? Because they were an innovator. They weren't interested in creating anything. They waited for somebody to create something. They said, oh, we can make that better. The company got filthy rich waiting for other people to make something. So as a Christian, why are you trying to recreate something? You just wait. Oh, man, I can make that better. See, that's what I do. Y'all think I'll be coming up with stuff. I don't be coming up with nothing. I just look at what people are doing. I'm like, Mm-mm-mm, I can do that better. Amen. Become a Christian innovator. See a ministry. You don't have to recreate it, but maybe you can get involved in it, and you can make that ministry better. I got one right here with Theophilus. She's doing a lot of stuff by herself. Why don't you join that ministry and make it better? Amen, I will. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I believe in what she's doing. Amen. I believe in it. She's doing, she's doing some work, some real work. And if you really want to do some real work, we got it right here. Join it, make it better. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, man, you don't have to, oh, man, you, pastor, you mean I don't have to create anything? No. All you need to do is just get involved. Amen? If you partner with this church and you're not serving somewhere, why not? Oh, I know. I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. I heard somebody said they didn't say it out loud, but I heard it. They thought it. <laughs> you know what they thought? Yeah. Well, Pastor, we don't, we're not doing that at this church. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe we're not doing it because you ain't doing it yet. Uh, Pastor, I wish you were doing... Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> um, what'd you say? Uh, you mean you wish you, right? Let me support you. That's my job. My job is to support you. What is it that God wants you to do? Amen? And see, this, this is the greatest thing. We didn't even get to the part I wanted to get to about your enemies, but that's all right. Was this okay? Amen. 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 Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise in Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.